Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mischief Makers. Now, I am not Dave Hearn. I am Brian e. Corrigan, and I have taken over the podcast this week <laughs> to interview the extremely incredible, talented, kind of unrivaled costume designer that is Roberto Soracci. Hello, Roberto. Hello, Bryony. How are <laughs> you? <laughs> I'm very good. Now, did I say I said it properly, didn't I, that time? Yes, yes. It's, it's, Do you it's... tell... Tell them the, the, the motto. Well, a lot of people have a bit of difficulty with my surname, so the easiest way to say it is in Sirachi as in Versace. There is no, no correlation between the two whatsoever. But uh, <laughs> we're on completely different levels of design. I am aware of that. But, uh, babes, uh, there you go. We, not well. Well, but um, ironically, we come from very close proximity in Italy. We're from the same area. So that's why our names are similar. Are you? Mm-hmm. Is that what? It, so it's the is the Ace. The Ace is is sort of um, very very Italian then. It's very Italian. It's very <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, Italian names are all like you know they're all over the shop. But uh, when it comes yeah. to regions, there are some names that you know are from a certain region. I think mine is pretty pretty Calabrian. So and that's obviously where my dad's from. So. Ooh. Yeah. Very good, but you obviously you're not speaking in an Italian accent. You are in fact speaking no. in an Australian an accent. Australian accent, yes. Australian yes. darling. Australian doll. Straight. <laughs> doll. Um, so you yeah. grew up in Australia. I did. I did. I grew up there with um, Italian parents. My te- and my parents are the ones that migrated over to Australia in the fifties, and um, I popped out um, in Melbourne. That's where. That's where I'm from. 
you popped out. And I popped out. <laughs> popped out. Such a wonderful pop. <laughs> I'm sure my mum didn't wasn't too happy about it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, your mum may not have described it as a pop. Probably but... not. Probably not. She's probably <laughs> screaming Italian obscenities at my dad. So you know. <laughs> so how old were you when you? I mean, how long were you in Australia for? Uh, well, until, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, so I grew up there till I was um, forever, like as long as I can remember. And um, I moved over to the UK in 2006 when I was 29. Um, 29? Is, I know, when I was a baby. You're still a baby. Well, not really, Bryony Corrigan. <laughs> so, it's 27 27 over here 27 so. yeah, oh, yeah you're the ba- you're the baby not me <laughs> um uh so i mean what 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 made you why london why did you come why did you leave australia's great why would you leave great australia is wonderful it's a beautiful country and it's i miss i miss melbourne i miss i miss the way of life i miss all that sort of stuff but uh, it was a decision i had to make to decide what i wanted to do with with my career and and to be a designer and and i knew that uh, it was highly possible that i could have achieved being a designer in australia but sadly we don't have the same sorts of uh, industry like we do here or like new york or anything like that we don't have the mecca of theater mm-hmm. and um so I just thought, well, I need to go try my luck and came here and, um, yeah, the, yeah, and that's kind of like that was what spurred me to get my degree over in, in Melbs and then um, and soon after I moved over here and um, So started. was your was your degree in, in costume design or in, fashion in, design in or what? Theatre design, so set and costume. So oh. I did, um, yeah, three-year course at the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne and mm. um, uh, majored my third year in design. But I was you you, you basically get um, into the course at the time. I don't know if the structure is still the same now, but um, back back then um, the the core group mm. of people that they selected for the um, for the course were a group of designers, a group of stage managers, a group of lighting designers, a group of sound designers and mm. all, like every element of production. And then we all came together. And the beauty of that was we also got to, in our first year and bit of second year, we got to do different um, different roles. So I did one of my shows uh, we did was I was, I was a stage manager on it, for instance, and then another one I was a lighting, a lighting operator and got to do like all the different other aspects of, of working on a show, which was unbelievably helpful. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really helpful. Do it's you think that's really that, good? Yeah. And does that help? Do you think that all of those different aspects of theatre cross over in some way? Like if you know about lighting design, then that could influence your costume oh, design or influence absolutely. your... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really helped in in uh, the way I, when I approach a design or approaching, like especially when it comes to fabrics and choosing fabrics and stuff and thinking about what, how what, how it's going to be lit and if, if a certain colour is going to be thrown on that fabric, will it change colour? Um, especially like when you've got, some lighting designers like to use different different shades like a lot of red or a lot of blue or whatever the scene is whatever and if you put a different color fabric that color that 
light that's thrown in it will actually completely change the fabric. So you've oh. got to keep all those things in consideration when you're choosing um, everything to do with with anything that goes on stage. It's absolutely so it, yeah. It's key. Is there a, key. is there a is there a no no? Is there like a is there a one costume design no no that you're like you can't I don't know wear black clothing on stage or white clothes? Is there like a color that's just like you mustn't? Um, I tend to sort of not use white unless I have to because it is so bright. If I'm doing a costume that is white. Mm-hmm. I will choose something that's more the fabric needs to be an off-white or a, a cream or it has to get dipped in um, a lot of a lot of tricks that we uh, that can be used is like if you've got a white shirt you dip it in in tea and it just knocks the edge off so then when you then seeing it on stage it looks perfectly white but up close it's got a little bit of a murk to it but wow. then but I mean, with some some items, you know, when you need white, you need white. So you just have to go with the white and see what it does on stage. And if it is too bright, then you just knock it back. But there are certain things like um, in um, uh, in bank robbery, in Act Two for Ruth's um, spotty little top that she wears. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was a, a specific that was a special print for the show. Um, <gasps> but the actual fabric is on stage. It looks like white with blue i think it's blue blue red and gray dots Mm. um but the fabric itself when you look at it close it's actually off-white it's kind of got a little bit of a dirty lemony color to it but then on stage it looks not what it looks perfectly white but it's not Mm. glary it's not glaring wow so is that just because if you put one character in in like a clean white they will just your eye as an audience member would just be immediately drawn to them rather than that's, anything yeah, else. Yeah, it, yeah. Can, it can pull focus. It can do. It can do a lot of things. And but it's if that's what you want it to do for that particular scene, then absolutely go for it because that's mm. that's what you want. But if you just want it to blend in and just want it to be part of the the look and the ensemble and the picture, mm. then no, I'd never use straight white unless it was mm. absolutely necessary. Interesting. Mm. I've just um, I've just thought that I didn't. Dave usually does this thing where he gets um, this section is called getting to know you. I feel oh, like we, we just jumped, jumped straight we in. Jumped straight in, in we? we just oh. jumped straight in. But I I I'm kind of love that. But I I really want you to do a jingle. Oh, God, <laughs> a jingle, a jingle, a jingle. Okay, so, you've got to do, so the section is getting to know you. So you've got to getting do a getting to know, to know you jingle. All right, all right. Um, oh, what's coming to mind is 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 Mary Poppins for some reason. Oh. It's coming to mind, and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking um 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 um, um I'm thinking I don't know thinking step, <laughs> step in time. I'm thinking um hold on hold on let me go um cut uh, cut cut the fabric stitch in time cut the fabric stitch in time need a costume on stage now cut the fabric stitch in time. Babes, I am costumey. It's costumey. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) I mean, that's that's like that should be like your. It should be something that follows you around. What do you call it? Like your theme music. That shouldn't even just oh, be. Oh no! Oh no! I could think of many other songs that I probably shouldn't <laughs> play. Yeah. <laughs> that should be my theme music, and that's not one of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I love it. Well, there you go, Dave. You can chop that in wherever you want. Yeah. Um, 
Perfect. Well, back to the interesting stuff. Um, so uh, you didn't necessarily mm-hmm. always want to be a costume designer, did you, Roberto? What did you? No, what I were you didn't. originally I going didn't. to be? I... Oh. Did you dabble? Actor. I wanted to be. You dabbled in the acting. I dabbled. I, I did a song and dance. And I, I did a few little bits and pieces and stuff as I was as I was growing up. And, mm-hmm. and you know, when I was a teenager, I was heavily involved in um, in in sort of like doing some training as to be an actor and and dancing and singing and stuff. I wanted to be in musical theatre. That was every, that was my everything growing up and um and did a lot of amdram productions of various musicals in australia and played parts and sung my little heart out on stage what was your favorite part i started to do a little bit of uh uh, in amdram i think it was tommy gilas in the music man that was that was one of the best productions I've ever done. It was so much fun and it was an awesome company. It was back in 1997. Uh, and it was, I remember it well because as we were just about to perform, Princess Diana died. And I remember like, oh, we had, oh it was, it was, it was, it was hardcore. Like we had oh, people crying. It was awful. And we just, and that was just at your performance. That was, well, that, that was, yes, from my performance, probably. <laughs> Just <laughs> get me out of here. Um, um, but um, yeah, but there was that, and and then and then I got and ended up getting an agent when I was sort of about eighteen, I think it was, and I started doing a bit of extra work. So I was actually I was on Neighbours a few times in um, <gasps> doing some extra work, and you can still see me in the background. I've, st- I've actually got it on 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 my hard drive. Those little bits. Why um, have I not seen this before? Oh, well, I, I keep this quiet. I keep this quiet, and um, <laughs> and then um, and then I landed this uh, lead role in a Pepsi commercial, which um, screened in um, Egypt and Lebanon in nineteen. 19- Ninety nine, I think it was, um, ninety eight, ninety nine, and um, and uh, it was like apparently it was all over both countries, and I had to speak in Arabic and Egyptian, Lebanese Arabic or whatever, and learned did it all and stuff, and then um, tiny quick funny story when I was actually in Egypt traveling in ninety nine, mm-hmm. um, I actually got recognised by some staff members on the uh, on the cruise ship that I was on that I was. They were like, oh, my God, you're the Pepsi guy. And I was like, yeah, I am. No. <laughs> so like my two minutes, I wouldn't even say 15 minutes, it was one of my two minutes of fame when I had these Egyptian girls running after me going, oh, Pepsi, Pepsi. And I was like, all right, calm down. Oh, wow. Can we find this? Or if we were to scour YouTube, like, can I come across that Pepsi advert now? No, no, I've got it on my hard drive. Maybe I'll show you one day. But, I've got to see yeah. this. This hard drive is like a like a, a miracle holder. It is it's a miracle. The, it's got it's, all of the bits. It's it is a miracle holder. It's a mischief miracle holder because it holds all the information to every mischief show. And if I lost it, I'd be crucified. I'd be oh, dead. Wow! So very very important piece of kit for me. That one. We we must not ever lose that. <laughs> no, we must not. <laughs> um. So. Uh, Wow, that that's amazing. I had no idea that you'd done those things. <laughs> I keep was things quiet. <laughs> was it hard to learn the the Arabic? It was or- well. It was it was good because like they they had um the the production company was actually from Dubai and we had um the one of the the 
creators or producers or whatever was over from Dubai for the for the shoot, and he was helping me with all with the all the lines phonetically. But he said, "Look, don't worry about if you don't get it right because we're gonna we're gonna dub you with an Arabic actor when we get when we go to." edit it back in Dubai and I was like okay cool because as long as you mouth it right then we're fine and I was like okay cool oh, wow. then it was like a couple of months later when my agent sent me the video this is back in with video no DVD this was a proper a video video a video <laughs> um and um and I, when I watched it I put it on and it was um it was my voice in Arabic and I was like, "What the fuck's going? On? Oh, what the hell's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! And um, uh, and um, uh, I spoke to my agent, and my agent said, "No, they were so happy with the way you you spoke it in Arabic that they didn't want to dub you. They didn't need to." So I was like, um, "All right, sweet, brilliant, yeah, just good really fun. good accents." Yeah. Um, so what? So why? Why? What caused the? the move from from acting because given you were doing very well clearly well, why did you decide, <laughs> what, but why did you decide to go no actually do you know what not that I want to be a designer well I mean it's I think design was always in my ingrained in me um from from an early age I, I was um in uh, second year of high school we went to the Melbourne production of the Phantom of the Opera and mm. I was 12, I think I was 12 or 13. And I didn't really know what I was going to see. It was probably my first real, um, uh, first time I'd ever gone to the, to see like a scale, like a scale of production as big as, as Phantom. Yeah. It's something that was like late eighties at this point, like 88 or something like that, 89, something. And, um, and I, didn't really know what to expect and so I just sat there with my classmates and watched the show or was going to watch the show and as soon as it started and mm. the, 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 I don't know everyone that's who's seen it that mo the, the beginning when you've got the auction and then the chandelier gets raised and all the fabric gets torn off that beautiful proscenium arch and then they all start walking on in those beautiful costumes from that opera the, the fictional opera Hannibal and stuff and I just was like oh crap this, this is what is I want to do. That's this is what I want to do. And I was mesmerized by um, Maria Bjornsson's um, absolutely amazing designs who she's been a massive influence mm. to my, to my aesthetic. And, um, uh, and I really, really value what she's achieved and what she did, but tragically she did lose her life when she was in her late forties. Um, and, oh, um, right. so she was lost way too soon. Um, mm -hmm. but her legacy with Phantom lives on and, um, she will always be a huge influence and a huge, um, starting point for me in my career. And so then that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of like where I discovered design and discovered the beauty of it and what you can do on stage. Yeah. And it was always in the back of my mind of something that I wanted to do. But then as, as, as I grew older and I realized that, that the, for the acting, like I was never, I was, I was ending getting in auditions and I was, um, you know, I was, I was being, I got seen for like one of for the Australian production of Les, Les Miserables, like the 10th anniversary. Mm. I got down to the last, like plus 30 guys thing and all this sort of stuff. And I, I never kept getting in. I never kept getting in. And then, um, uh, when I was uh, living in Germany for a few months, um, I was spawned to audition for this German musical called Tabaluga and Lily. And mm. I was up for the role, the lead role. 
and it was all done in German. It was all spoken in German, and I was given the songs to learn in German, and I have no clue what I was singing about. Um, I went to a audition in Dusseldorf, and um, and it was between me and this one other guy, a German guy for the lead, and he ended up getting it, which rightly so. He was German, absolutely made total sense. <laughs> but at that point, I just went, nah. I said, no, this is not, that's, this is it. not, that's it. This is not, I can't, I can't do this. And it's, it's just, I didn't have the, I don't think I had enough drive or enough of the, the ambition to actually see it through to sure. become an actor. Um, but then when I, uh, after that, I, I went back to Australia and then that's when I got into my course and I was like, well, no, this, this is making more sense for me now. I'm finding my, my niche and I'm finding where my eye is actually mm where it needs to go and mm. um there we go that's it wow and so and you mentioned um uh, maria the one that uh designed for phantom have mm-hmm. you have you got any other people that massively inspired you at the time or still inspire your work oh, now i'm funnily enough i mean i yeah funnily enough i sort of look i've got a, i've gained a lot of inspiration from um Ironically, fashion designers, like I'm a mm. huge fan of Balenciaga, Christian Dior, um, Yves Saint Laurent, all those like old, old school mentors of fashion who just created the most beautiful work um, mm. back in the, in the 40s or 50s, all that sort of stuff. And, and then, you know, Alexander McQueen, like genius, yeah. absolute genius and mm. um, and stuff and then but then also looking to a lot of hollywood designers like um edith head ollie kelly um adrian um all these amazing designers from the golden age of hollywood that um just created some of the most beautiful pieces yeah um and you just you just sit there and you go wow but the the beauty with those designs is like you always see things that you, you always notice the design and you notice what's what, what, what the actor or the performer is wearing, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't detract from the performance. And that's what I think is key. You can still appreciate what somebody's wearing, but it's not, it's not, it's not wearing, they're not wearing, it's not wearing them, they're wearing it. And then they're still able to be the character. And that's what I always strive to do with my designs. I never want to do something that's going to completely overpower unless it's scripted and unless it needs it. But mm. it's always got to be a compliment to the acting. That's that's, that's been my key. Very interesting because mm. I never really thought about that. I, you know, about it having to match the performance in a way and not detract from the performance. That's really interesting. Mm. Um, and about how I remember us having like the chat about um, what um, chemise should be wearing <laughs> in because mm. uh, I guess that's one instance where the costume should be quite can kind of speak for itself oh and be absolutely loud, absolutely which we had a lot of fun with didn't we we had so much fun sorting that out <laughs> that was that was that was a laugh god that was a laugh that was such a good one wait so tell 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 everybody how you became involved in mischief in the first place because obviously yeah yeah, yeah. i mean and it's now it's gone back like geez nearly five six years ago now i think it was five 
Yeah, Surely more. Than, is it, is it, no, it was, it was 2014 when I first came involved. Um, um, so at the time I was working for, um, and still am obviously, um, for uh, for Kenny Wax, our, our wonderful producer. Yes. And um, he, um, uh, I was a head of wardrobe on um, the musical Top Hat, which he produced at the Aldwych Theatre and mm. ran for a bit over nearly two years. Um, and I was um, employed as the head of wardrobe, and um, that's kind of started my um, my relationship with with him and, and the company. Mm-hmm. And we uh, the show closed, and um, I then was asked to take on the role of um, costume supervisor for the UK tour because that that show was obviously designed by someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I took that on and got that ready and there was one day I was in the office and um, there was um, uh, the then general manager Adam was um, just I was doing something in the office and he goes oh he goes I'll oh, go talk to Kenny about this show that's coming in and I was like oh, what what are you talking about he goes oh, I need need something done with the costumes I don't I don't I don't know but it's it's thing and I, I could never get the I'm obviously I'm referring to the play that goes wrong yeah but I, I never could remember the name so I always called it the play with no words Every time ah. I, to, I was like, what's this play with no words? I don't know. I couldn't. I just wouldn't sink into my head, play that goes wrong for some reason. I think so that was, um, if it was called the play with no words, it would be so different. <laughs> it would so be different, so different. But I went into Kenny's office and I said, Kenny, what's, what's this show, this play with no words? What you, what's, what's going on with this? And he goes, he goes, oh, he goes, I need a, I need some, some work done with the costumes. And I said, oh, well, okay. He goes, look, he goes, it's, it's currently playing or going to be playing in South End on Sea and go down and have a look at it and meet the cast and see what, see what you feel and see how it goes and come back and give, give me a report. And I was like, okay. So I trotted down and saw a matinee performance with obviously the original members of Mischief or you lovely, yeah. lovely folk and um, saw the show and laughed hysterically because it was pro- it was the first time I'd ever seen it and obviously yeah. for me the shock value was there I mean I, I when even when I watch it now I giggle but I don't laugh as much as I did that first time yeah. obviously yeah. I know what's coming um uh and uh, met all the guys backstage um, on their break between shows measured them all and um came back to London and I was like Kenny I was like the show needs a redesign mate <laughs> <laughs> it needs a reworking, re-working. and, I- and um, I said half the costumes are falling apart and he goes uh, okay he goes well all right well here you go get on board take it on and and then I think obviously um after meeting with um uh, the guys um they obviously liked me as well and um agreed to have me come on and redesign and rework um play that goes wrong for the west end transfer which obviously was meant to last three months and um it's still there did this little (laughs) apparently apparently um (laughs) and um and um so yeah did a rework of it and um got it ready for um the west end transfer and that was that but then um once we once they announced the uh extension and a cast change of the show then I got to do it again I, I when I when I did it the first time I didn't actually have much of a budget it was made it was basically designed to run for three months that was that was the premise like Kenny didn't want to spend too much money and rightly so so um we just did what we could in a very short amount of time and wow. but then when um when uh when I did it again I actually got to then design it properly and give it a good once over and um and now it's it's a well oiled machine. It you know, is. 
it's, I it's know. yeah we've had to do a lot of overhauls on on that with lots of fabrics that obviously not available any not available from the original production but also we've you know we get fabrics printed for the show there's fabric that gets loomed specifically in a in a, in a mill up in scotland especially for the show wow um, um uh, bits and pieces that can only be purchased for the play that goes wrong now and that's um so it is it is a proper west end show now which is great i know it's crazy and not only that but all of the other ones since like peter pan that you designed mm. for bank robbery yep. magic yes. grown-ups Grown TV, tv all of it no, we no, didn't no. let you. We didn't let you go. Basically, <laughs> Basically I'm, not, I'm not complaining, but um, it's you, um, yeah. Do you have a, a favorite one that you've designed for? Quite a few people have asked this question yeah. online. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, obviously, play that goes wrong because that is the mothership. You know, it's the yeah. first one. Um, but I think, I think the one that I really, really enjoyed designing the most was actually grown-ups i have to say ah well yeah Yeah. you get the whole three different three different time periods and it was it was the only one that we've done where we've actually had an evolution of and a journey of of characters because it's so narrative based as opposed to all the other the, all our other fast shows, which equally is amazing and actually is fun to do, but I really enjoyed. I don't know if that was because just to do something different, but it was just working with as as an ensemble, as us all together. We were very much driven by our character work and where we were going and what we were trying to say with each period of the show. Plus, also working out the physical aspects of what everyone needed to do even though it was it was fast but it wasn't as physical as mm. play that goes wrong as peter pan all that sort of stuff so that was from from that aspect that probably was the one from it from it from a over the top crazy costume aspect i mean peter pan it's the fantasy one it's the yeah. telling of the great story of peter pan and obviously like creating all these fun costumes that are completely sort of panto-esque but still remaining within the Cornley Polytechnic world is kind of was was really really fun really mm. well this that leads us nicely into um some of the questions from the web Ooh. which um so I've, I've got a few here and um Emma Richardson uh wanted Hello, to know Emma. how do you go about designing the costumes that need to be destroyed so, for example, maybe um, the Peter Pan clothes rip. And the one that comes to mind for me particularly is the snowman costume well, from TV. That's, that's, a whole, that's a whole different discussion. I think that's, the snowman is a whole different podcast. I know, it is, isn't it? It's its own podcast. Let's, let's just say that. But we can talk about it, but it is its own podcast. It's true. It's true. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So like. Well, this is a, this is this is that's an interesting question because obviously there are the costumes that are scripted to go wrong, but then there are the ones that are non-scripted to go wrong, which actually go wrong by themselves, and then we have to re-engineer them so they don't. Yeah. Um, so something that's scripted, you've got to work out the engineering and how it's actually going to what needs to happen with it, and and I mean the clothes rip in Peter Pan is a perfect example. The thing that I needed to find out first was 
where is it being ripped from how is it being ripped what direction what like what's how mm. is the actor moving how is it, how are they going to get out of it so it's a clean it's a clean rip mm. um so that was all engineered so everything rips from front to back so it's mainly done that one is mainly done with um with popper tape um, mm. which is a strip of fabric which has actually got little popper plastic poppers and um, they're sewn in in the various points so then when it rips it actually falls off the body or over the body and just but has still had to stay this is this was the tricky bit it still had to stay done up while the whole scene was being played out beforehand oh, and there's a lot of action going on beforehand so much running action. around the bed, the, the bed drops, the getting Dancing. out of the bed, and then yeah, sometimes it just can't be helped. So if they get if they get unpoppered, they get unpoppered. But it's you know if it gives the trick away, it gives the trick away. But we try to still keep it as much as intact as possible. So then that way there is a a, um, a shock factor, um, mm. and um, then the when the ones that aren't meant to rip, for instance. Simple thing, pair of trousers in bank robbery. It's the trousers that um, Sam wears in apartment, apartment one at the end of Act yeah. One when the, he's doing the um, pretending to be uh, Mr. Oh, my God. What's his name? Free Boys. Mr. Free no. Boys. Oh, my God. Free no. Boys. <laughs> free Boys. God, it's been so long. Um, uh, when he's pretending to be Free Boys um, with Caprice and um, and Mitch, um, those trousers that originally originally made for, for Dave to wear were – I knew what needed to be done, but obviously when we got to stage and he was doing the, doing the all the action eight shows a week, it got to a point and they just completely fell apart. There was just a thing. So I had to get them remade and we remade them in a way that the inside is lined with a – a, a stretched jersey, which is like a, a very strong uh, T-shirt fabric with lots of lycra yeah. and a gusset, which is the thing that you call that goes, gets put into the undercarriage or under the arm or something like that, that right. was then um, uh, printed the same, the same as, as the same top fabric, which was a wool, but we printed that on lycra so it blended in so we could give a lot more room into the into the uh, under underneath, so there was because there was a lot of leg spreads and a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, um, and then the trouser was actually cut just marginally smaller than the jersey underneath. So, sorry, opposite, m- larger. So the jersey yeah. underneath was the one that was taking all the strain, and the top fabric was taking as little strain as possible. So when he was stretching. It was the jersey that was stretching and not the actual not, top fabric. Yeah. I mean, so much of mischief, of designing for mischief shows is, must be about movement and like Absolutely. ease Absolutely. of movement for all of the trips. The, otherwise, you're going to be repairing a costume every every day yeah it's completely that Mm -hmm. the the gags dictate what needs to be done like for instance again going back to bank robbery um caprice's um uh hungarian attache design uh, that's you know originally it was going to be this gorgeous 50s inspired gown very european um done up at the back and stuff but then obviously realizing the action where she has to she first of all she has to open it on stage to reveal her pregnancy bump and, yeah. and reveal her clothing underneath so then warren realizes that it's her and not the hungarian attache mm. um 
and also the fact it needs to get wet every show with litres of water. So that fabric is made out of complete polyester. It's synthetic. It's flammable. It's, <laughs> it doesn't shrink. There's nothing, there is nothing nothing natural about that fabric, about that costume whatsoever. So then it can get wet and then it gets put in the hot box um, between shows and then it's dry for the second performance because we've got to turn it around as well because on two-show day it's got to get – Well, that's the thing as well. They've got to be easily washable, all of them, don't they? Because as soon as one show's over, you do – yeah, you want to be – Getting a clean, unsweaty, unsmelly costume. I mean, things we do have a lot of doubles for things like shirts and tops, and all. Everyone's got a double for that sort of stuff. Some people, depending on the performer, some even had quadruples. We've had to do in the past. Mm. Um, uh, But um, yeah, definitely, yeah. In terms of um, like the TV, obviously that kind of maybe became. quite different uh, to designing for stage shows um mm. and also like how do you decide between um uh, d- making it yourself and designing it or hiring a piece specifically uh that comes down to uh, a tv show was a completely different kettle of fish for, for instance like firstly yeah. like we weren't making costumes that had to last eight shows a week. So we could, I got away with a lot more that you didn't see on camera, put it that way. <laughs> and sure. Obviously not enough, not as enough time, not, a, not as much time rather. So that's where you pick, you have to sort of start to pick what, what is going to work as to get done, to get as a make or to hire or to buy. And with, with this, with this series, obviously, we every episode was completely different—a completely different time, a completely different place, um, genre. It was every week was like doing a brand new stage production, as yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so some some of the pieces I picked purely out of aesthetic. I just went, no, this is what I want to do, and I want to get this one made. Some of them were designed by uh, were I had to decide based on. Uh, what I could find if I could find anything that would either work or would fit one of you guys sure. um, and in the time frame that I could and 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 then also like what I could find at the um, – we got a lot of our costumes from Angels, which is a very famous costume house in Hendon. Um, uh, I would spend hours looking through – their stuff trying to find oh, what I needed. I love um, going to angels. Oh, you, 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 did like enjoy it. you did it. Oh, it's like a heaven. You're just going down all these aisles, mm. looking at amazing costumes from every era you could possibly imagine. Every era and every movie, every movie you could imagine. Like oh, there's, a whole, there's a whole cage upstairs, which next, if we end up going, I'll show you next time. Um, there's a whole cage, which is all the stuff that is not for hire. Like um, there's a box at the very at the very entrance of that that cage and it says Helen Mirren the queen Ooh, so I, 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 found, I found out that was the hat that she wore when um they did the funeral the princess diana's funeral the oh. black that black hat so that hat is just sitting there and but you're not allowed to hire it you're not allowed to touch it it's just there 
and it's just there. It's just you just look at it and go, oh, I just want to look in that box and just look at it, <laughs> but you can't. Oh, but you can't. It's in a box. That's it. Oh, that's I wonder it. why they keep it then, just because archival. And it's probably like one yeah. day they'll end up in a museum or something, or yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows why it's there? But it's just it's just one of those important pieces in cinema history oh that God. just they preserve for that reason. So perhaps they'll you know preserve something that you've designed one day. I guess actually they don't have anything. Preserved. They are. They are. I mean, they don't have. I mean, like um, all 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 our mischief stuff. We've got our our storage um, storage cage where we have all the shows currently stored in, um, Mm. and we got so much stock now, which is great because when we do a cast change, we first look to to stock. Um, my wonderful team who um, look after the shows for me. They they're in charge Mm. of all that, and um, um. we, we, we go there first and see what we can find. It's, we keep everything that's in good condition and that's not either too sweaty or too soiled and we can reuse again. Anything that's, that's dead, sadly, we, um, we cut up and we throw away. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Is- but, <laughs> but if it's dead, it's dead. You can't, if you can't use it again, you can't yeah, use yeah. it again. And some, some pieces that, that are nondescript and nonspecific, I, um, I send away to a costume house, um, in Bristol and give it to them so they can use it for their, for their stores. Cause they're, they're very good to me and they're very good to us. Mm. Um, they've helped us a, a lot over the years. Um, uh, but anything that's like specific for a show, um, no, it just gets cut up and thrown away. Wow. So, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> it's quite sad to hear that, but, but good, I suppose. Now, yeah. Adam, Adam Standen wonders, uh, which cast member is the most difficult to dress? Is anyone particularly fussy? Oh, God, you're all fussy. You all do my head in. <laughs> all in different ways. In different ways. In one way or another, you all do my head in. Yeah. But, but the thing is, it's good. You listen to what I say and that's what I appreciate. Um, yeah, you trust me enough to know that I'm never going to put you in anything that looks crap. Well, I think I don't anyway. Um, no, um, um, look, uh, you know, every, I think that's the, that's the beauty of our relationship with everybody in mischief and um, stuff that when we're conceiving a show, I think that's we have such a good dialogue of what we what we want to come up with and what we're trying to achieve. And I I listen to what your input and you listen to my input, and we have a discussion about it. It's not there's no ego. That's the thing. Yeah. There's absolutely none of that, and we we're all we're all working for the for the end goal. We all want it to look amazing from any aspect of any aspect of the show. Um, but um, I think we've got yeah. such an open and trusting and um, honest dialogue with each other that you know even if you if if somebody says that they don't like something that I've put them in we'll change it or we'll, we'll find something different or whatever. And sometimes like you guys have helped me find what I, what I maybe have not been able to find or given me a completely different direction or spin on what the mm. path that I'm going. And then I go a completely different direction. Um, and, and then we come up with the end product and we're all happy. So Yeah. It yeah. felt, I mean, I particularly the magic um, for Baron Spitz Mouse like really springs to mind mm. for that of like how much of a like lovely open discussion me you and Nance could have together mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the which was, as well, like discussing how we kind of saw them and what they should be in, and we had a load of fun. And, 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 the, and the practicality of it as well, because like yeah. you know, you you guys are just bouncing on stage like 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 <laughs> crazy bouncing balls. Like you just you guys don't stop, and you need to be able to move. Yet we still got to create these characters that are kind of circus esque type Eurovision type. Oh, just all this like craziness german craziness as well and all that thrown in and so it was like well I, i'm not going to put you in a silk dress am i you know that's just not going to work so yeah. you know it was like that's when we started moving into that place of um of uh, like leotards and unitards and and then and then from there i just went into this tangent with all the embellishment and the add-ons the puffer jackets the corsets the 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 accordion skirts and all that sort yeah. of stuff and, that, and then that's how we made these characters alive and then for me it was like it's the wigs that make it make them alive obviously but yeah it's the hair the hair just finishes it off and mm. you get these crazy girls that are just like who the hell are these two like where yeah. have they come from seriously mm. And obviously, you're you're not uh, wigs are part of the costume as well, aren't they? So you're you are mm. also in charge of like des- designing how you all think the hair, look, everything. Yeah, yeah in, theater, in theater, not in television. In TV, that's a separate department. Um, we had the gorgeous Carly doing our hair and makeup for the TV show. But we, her and I, did work a lot together. Like you know, we yeah. we, we always spoke about what she wanted to do, and she wanted to look at certain colors and certain like looks and all that sort of stuff and then from there she would work out what what's kind of needed and 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 stuff and then like if there, as long as there's not if there was nothing on your head she did what she wanted but if there was something on your head we'd have to work around it to make that work but for, mm-hmm. for theater yeah it's all down to me hair makeup shoes underwear whatever whatever you've got on your body those push-up bras those push-up bras yep (laughs) got about 20 push-up bras now i know you do (laughs) (laughs) gotta make them look good somehow got to got to um and so oh, we're running out of time and that's really annoying me because I could just I feel like I could just talk to you about this all day. <laughs> um, but what what do you what what advice would you give to, uh, you know, people wanting to start out in costume design or make a career out of being a costume designer? I think the first the first step is good training. I mean, and there is some brilliant schools in the UK that do a good, solid training and it's an uh, it's a fantastic starting point mm. and it's also a lot of practice when it comes to the skill of sewing which is i think it's imperative that you know how something is made and uh, i mean I, a lot of the costumes for play that goes wrong the initial the original production i made myself i was yeah. on a, i was on a floor in um, on the strand in an office that I was put in and i was on the floor cutting sandra's dress out um by myself one afternoon and throwing it together and um um so i I, like i know how a garment is is constructed so i have a lot of input with my with my my team with my tailors my dressmakers and we talk about how we're going to make it obviously that helps in the engineering of for this genre of show that given that how physical it is um but giving getting up your skills as a as a sewer is important starting point but then I think it's just learn 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 and getting in and giving up time um, Mm -hmm. to learn with other designers and costume supervisors and you know to start with um, I mean when I I did it I worked for free for years Um, I was 
you know, assisting costume supervisors and working with designers and uh, just learning, learning what to do. And, and, you know, you've got to, got to sort of like put yourself out there and network. And then once you start getting the networking and stuff and then you get remembered and all that sort of stuff. And that's just, it's really, really important. And, um, and just being, just being, really observant a lot of stuff of what i've learned is based on just observing not really necessarily being taught but just always keeping my peripheral vision open and Mm. learning from another a lot of designers and a lot of people that i worked with of of what to do in how to how to how to conduct yourself in a fitting how to how to work with a director how to work with an actor and the, the you know it's a lot of it is about approach and talking and 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 design and, and research and all that sort of stuff that there's so many layers to this, to this job. And, um, absolutely. I suppose it ties quite, quite nicely back in with the beginning of the podcast where you said, um, about, you know, it's so useful to not just have an eye for costume design, but for every aspect mm. of the theater, yep. um, world and, and beyond kind of thing to have yep. all of those skills to your bow as much yep. as possible and be interested in lighting and set and how they all affect each other is really, exactly. really good exactly. advice. Yeah. So, well, we've got time for our quick fire questions. Ooh, so I'm now before gonna... we do that, can I just ask you a question, Bryony Corrigan? Oh God, what, what's, yeah. what's your favourite costume that you've worn? That I've worn? <laughs> you've worn not, oh. not, that, not that you've not that you actually two two actually there's two there's two questions. The favourite costume you've worn and your favourite costume altogether. Okay, okay, okay. Oh God, that's a really big question. It's My hard, favorite. isn't it? costume i've worn is i mean you you know i love camille you know that i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) no camille holds a special place she does she does but i i have to say i also loved um the uh the wendy the wendy costume Okay. Because it does make you feel really. I just, to be honest, I love doing that play anyway. Yeah. Doing Peter Pan goes wrong, but I, I loved like the long, like curly hair and the yeah cute white dress. That, I mean, the, it was a nightmare the first one with the with the poppers that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keeping that up, but I really loved that costume. Yeah. I loved wearing that costume because it made me feel good on stage, which I think is such a important thing as well. Yeah. And with that, it's also it's like you're you're bringing in you're, you're playing Wendy, but you're also playing Sandra, and that's yes. that's important. that's the very very important, and it's mm. it's important to mold the two together that you're still being mm. this. You think that you're Patty Lapone yeah. on stage on a Broadway theatre, but you're just Sandra Wilkinson who's playing Peter. Yeah. So, so true. It's it's that that was a good marriage, I think, a marriage. Yeah. Yes. And then my favorite costume out of everyone's is probably mm. so hard there are so many but i really <laughs> love i love the whole look of bank robbery that like 50s mm. vibe. like all of caprice's costumes in that are like super cute yeah, i love it cute. the ice cream dress. ice cream dress is one of my favorite the with the red wig and like the red wig. Oh, yeah. it just all looks so aesthetically pleasing that oh. that era it was a good era to do it was a brilliant era to do so much fun so much fun 
Yeah, it's again. I could go. I could go. You could go on for hours. I know. About all the different time periods. Ah, maybe we should do another one of these. <laughs> we can. Yeah. Why not? Let's do another one. Let's there's another so many. Okay. So for the quick fire, I'm going to okay. quick fire right now. Okay. Okay. No thinking. You just answer. Okay. Right, okay. So. Okay. Ready. What is your favorite color? Blue. What is your favorite goes wrong episode? Uh, the the lodge. What is your spirit animal? Oh, um, a um, a, a lemur. <laughs> I love lemurs. Yes, yep. you're such a lemur. Uh, who's the bossiest member of mischief? Oh, uh, 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 oh, 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 um, uh, Henry Lewis. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Some, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. I know. I think the not not oh, bossy, bossy, bossy. I think no, the no. Boys, you said Henry Lewis now. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 I'll retract that. I'll retract that. I'll say the boys because they are the bosses. There you go. Yeah, right. It's Henry Lewis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who is most likely to corpse on stage? Start you. Laughing. You. <laughs> Probably true. Uh, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? A biscuit. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite film? Oh, um, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, same. North, south, east or west? Oh, north. Sure. And finally, who would be the best mischief person to be trapped on a desert island with? You... Of course you, of course you, because we'd just be running around just going, babe, 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 should we make drinks, babe, 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 quick, come watch, we're watching Sex in the City, babe. Oh my God, we'd be dead, we'd be dead, but we'd have fun, oh yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's all we've got time for. There we go. It's been 50 minutes, but thank you so much. My pleasure, my pleasure so interesting to hear about the costume design side of things because we hear all, all about us all the time and um this is much more interesting i think <laughs> yeah oh, it's, oh, it's, it's just it's just another layer it's another layer to the to the to, to our wonderful little little family and yeah. um, it's uh it's just it, it it's 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 such a huge responsibility and and an honor to create mm-hmm. these characters that you that you all bring to life but i get the joy and, and the pleasure of giving the visual to and um and it's 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 a responsibility i always feel like for the audience in in terms of the audience that i'm i'm basically telling these these the audience members that what who these people are by the way they mm. look and i'm not making you know you can, they're not they're not left to use their image, imagination i'm telling them and that's a huge responsibility so i always make yeah. sure i try to get it right and i change it if it's wrong so and you do get it right. You are amazing. Well, thank you so much. And um, to everybody who's been uh, listening, thank you. And uh, you can keep an eye out for the next episode and you can follow all the latest in the mischief world on Twitter at Mischief Comedy. So thanks for listening. Bye. 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 (laughs) Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.